Hello there, my name is Lewis James, and I'm a composer, video game music enthusiast, and all-round nerd. Now, video game music has always inspired me and fascinated me throughout my life. For anyone that's counting, that's almost 30 years. The ability to immerse myself in different worlds, stories, and environments, and have the music act as a gateway to these mystical places never ceases to amaze me. So many boundaries have been broken in such a short space of time because of this medium. I invite you to join me as I analyse some of the greatest video game soundtracks of all time. Welcome to my Melodies of Life. Well, it looks like the admin segment is going to be a regular occurrence on this podcast, so... As this is here to stay, I've decided to make a short little jingle that I like to call Admin Time. I might keep it on the podcast or I can take it out. I'll let the listeners decide. Contact me at LJ Composer on Twitter if you like or don't like what you just heard. Anyway, back to the admin. May was an extremely busy month for me. I had my birthday celebrations, then visited the podcast show to spread the good name of my melodies of life out to the world. If anyone hasn't listened to my interview with Podcast Radio's Graham Mack yet, I highly recommend it, as that was the direct result of me attending that conference. I also want to give shoutouts to Pete Donaldson, Chris Broad, and Charlotte Hinskins for your support and for your time. You've all made this little indie podcaster happy. Not only that, I attended MCM Comic Con that same weekend and debuted my 25th anniversary arrangement of Eris Theme from Final Fantasy VII live in concert just last week at the time of writing. I'm currently in the process of getting a recording from the concert up online and it should already be out by the time of the release of this episode. A huge, huge shout out to everyone involved with Woolwich Works, Ready Singer One, and the London Video Game Orchestra for allowing this to happen. You are the absolute best, and I can't wait to continue playing and arranging with you guys. But you didn't download this episode to hear me ramble, did you? We're here to talk about the music of Final Fantasy IV. Despite Final Fantasy III's initial success in the 8-bit generation, the game did not get a Western release at that time. If you cast your mind back, you'll know that Western audiences would not get the first Final Fantasy game until the same year Final Fantasy III was released to the Japanese market in 1990. One year after a successful localization of the first game, Final Fantasy IV... Um, Final Fantasy IV... Who keeps saying that? Final Fantasy 2 and 3 did not release in the West, so we got this game Final Fantasy 2 instead. Why aren't you calling this game by its proper Western title? Oh god, I knew this was going to happen. Because it isn't. Since then, Japanese-specific Final Fantasy games like 2, 3, and 5 have seen multiple releases on future platforms, including a positively received Nintendo DS remake of Final Fantasy IV in 2007, and are now more accessible than ever before. And yes, I know about Final Fantasy VI initially being named Final Fantasy III in the West, before you ask, but because of these restrictions being pretty much non-existent in the modern world, it'd be downright confusing if I don't do this. I'm going to be calling the Final Fantasy games by their original number titles, because that's what they're called, and no nostalgically based opinions are going to change that. Does that answer your question? Yes. Okay then, 
Let's not waste any more time and dive straight into the story synopsis, find the browser tab that has the fandom wiki open, and to warn the listeners of potential mild spoilers. Can someone get this guy to the studio while I play the prelude, please? And so, the Dark Knight Cecil was stripped of his command as the captain of the Red Wings. He and the Master Dragoon Kane head toward the Dark Valley for the Village of Mist. The advent of the airship marked the realisation of Baron's dreams, but also the birth of its militarism. With its Royal Air Force Red Wings, Baron soon reigns supreme. Now, as monsters multiply and stir unrest, Baron only exploits its power to collect the world's crystals. Why? The crystals silently shed their light. We haven't listened to any of the game's soundtrack yet, but I'm already sensing some change in the narrative direction compared to the previous games in the series. Our main protagonist, Cecil, starts off as a captain of the enemy force, only to realise the wrongs he has committed and changes from Dark Knight to Paladin as a result. There's going to be a strong sense of resentment from the world around him, both before and after his defection, as the general populace will struggle to trust him despite this. Let's take a listen at the overworld theme, the main theme of Final Fantasy IV, and see if my little theory stands. Even though the musical progression of this theme does come across as optimistic at first impression, if you listen to the progression of chords, they sometimes clash with the harmony of the melody. This definitely gives out a sense of dread that Cecil may be feeling about his current place in the world. Will he be accepted despite his past? Can he live up to the promises that he made to himself to do what's right and atone for his previous crimes? Those are the kind of emotions that I'm sensing from this piece. Let's take the first section of the theme as an example. The key starts in A minor, which already brings a sense of unease. Then by the end of the section, the key slowly changes to C major, which is the relative major of A minor. This means there are actually no changes to the key at all. They're both the same. The difference is the notes you start with as you go up or down the same scale, A or C, Dark Knight or Paladin. In other words, we're already exploring the arc of Cecil's character with just 25 seconds of music. Truly exceptional. One strong component of this change in character with Cecil is the relationship between him and the party member Rosa. This plot point ended up being the inspiration for another key theme that has become synonymous with Final Fantasy IV. The theme of love. Before I play it, I just want to point out that this piece ended up included in the official 6th grade textbook in Japan, becoming part of the Japanese school curriculum as of 2005. Keep that in mind as you listen.
You can hear the similarities between this piece and Final Fantasy III's aria made in the water already. A version of this is even used as the ending theme for the original SNES version of Final Fantasy IV. It's so paramount to the plot, Uematsu must have thought to himself that he needed to get the orchestral structure of this piece just right. I believed he accomplished that mission. The inclusion in the Japanese curriculum just proves that. Not only that, but the Final Fantasy Prey vocal collection album and the DS remake have their own reworked themes with their own lyrics, titled Into the Light by Lisa Oki and Tsuki no Akari by Megumi Ida, respectively. If you ever have the time, I highly recommend seeking those out. They're just sublime. But before our protagonists can even think about completing their objectives, personal or otherwise, they must first travel through dangerous paths and take on formidable foes that include denizens of the mighty Kingdom of Baron. They'll have to go... into the darkness. Themes that are linked to dungeons and caves are becoming a staple for the Final Fantasy franchise at this point. I want to point this one out in particular as this is one of my all-time favourite dungeon pieces. It doesn't just focus on the inhabitants and the dangers that they are associated with. I can sense a feeling of beauty and wonder that can be associated with the natural architecture. This is primarily due to the fact that this piece is written as a waltz. The time signature is in 3-4 and the tempo is steady enough to dance to with a partner. The instrumentation just proves this point even more. A closed hi-hat cymbal counting the beats, chords and melody provided by strings, and an arpeggiating counter melody that only a harp can provide. Yes, the key and the chord structure does provide a sense of unease, but don't get me wrong. The strong sense of wonder that comes with everything else simply can't be denied. I mentioned formidable foes earlier on. The Final Fantasy series up to this point has always included some of the most formidable and challenging enemies to fight. Final Fantasy IV managed to provide a particular group of enemies that are so strong, they add their own battle music to accompany each of them. This is Battle with the Four Fiends. The Four Fiends of the Elements as a concept is present throughout the series and has evolved with the times to fit the scenarios around them. For example, Final Fantasy 1 has a fiend that guards each respective crystal. In Final Fantasy 4 specifically, four different fiends also appear, and they have such a thematic presence they have their own boss fiend now. Without any context given from the game's story, I always picture some sort of ambush every time I listen to this piece. The discordant harmonies during the introduction, the rushing percussion, a seemingly restless melody that keeps pushing forward. There's no time to think. The trap has been sprung and you took the bait. You either fight your way out or accept what stands in front of you. Considering that what is standing in front of you is a gigantic beast that has had its fair share of triumphs, 
surviving a fight against it is not an easy task. Nobuo Uematsu always liked to take certain themes and tropes from other pieces and twist them around to fit the musical context of the current predicaments in a game's story. We've seen this reference throughout the series, especially in the new music made for the remake of Final Fantasy 1, and there is more of this to come in the future. An example of the theme and variation technique in Final Fantasy 4 is the musical link between Battle of the Four Fiends and the last piece I'll be talking about in this episode, The Final Battle. It's not just the themes themselves that are being varied here. The orchestral structure itself is also being switched around to fit the scene. Thanks to the work that has been put into upgrading the SNES's sound chip, Uematsu's love for rock music certainly shines here. The bass is more prevalent. The percussion style fits something more akin to a drum kit rather than an entire orchestral section. Going back to the variation of themes, Certain components of other pieces I haven't covered in this episode are being used and twisted around. But if you listen closely to this particular section of the final battle, you can hear it sounds similar to Four Fiends. As soon as I heard that small section, theories of how the music is hinting at hidden narratives in the story started to enter my imagination. To me, at least, it sounds like the music is telling me that the final boss of the game, which I won't give away, is a hidden fifth fiend. The reason no one knows about this fifth fiend is simply because no one has seen it. Not in this world, anyway. If you've beaten the game already, you'll know what I'm talking about. Simply put, if you know, you know. The upgrade from NES to SNES could not have come at a better time for both Uematsu and the Final Fantasy franchise as a whole. Now we are starting to see more ideas being tried out, previous limitations being broken, and the overall quality of the material is slowly starting to improve. I strongly suggest giving the rest of this soundtrack a listen, just to hear how deep this rabbit hole goes. Lucky for us, there are still more of these improvements heading our way. Once again, I hope my little break away from podcasting wasn't too much of an inconvenience. But rest assured, now that this episode is finished, I'll be diving straight into the music of Final Fantasy V. 
I'm aiming for that episode to come out sometime in August, but who knows what tomorrow might bring, am I right? Keep an eye on my social media feeds, at LJComposer on Twitter and at LewisJamesComposer on Facebook, as well as my website, LewisJamesMusic.com, for any updates on that front, and to tell me if I should keep that admin jingle or not. Now that I have started to distribute this podcast properly, please rate, review, and subscribe to My Melodies of Life if you learn something new. I'll also be doing a special episode in between this one and Final Fantasy V's to talk about my anniversary arrangement of Aerith's theme and how it all came to be. So look forward to that. Until then, this has been a Lewis James production of My Melodies of Life.